Chapter Twelve of Katrina by Robert Louis Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Wayne Cook. Chapter Twelve On the March Again with Alan. It was likely between one and two. The moon, as I have said, was down. A strongish wind, carrying a heavy rack of cloud, had set in suddenly from the west, and we began our movement as in black a night as ever a fugitive or a murderer wanted. The whiteness of the path guided us into the sleeping town of Broughton, thence through Picardy, and beside my old acquaintance, the gibbet of the two thieves. A little beyond we made a useful beacon, which was a light in an upper window of Lock End. Stirring by this, but a good deal at random, and with some trampling of the harvest and stumbling and falling down upon the banks, we made our way across country, and one forth, boggy at last upon the linky muirland that they call the Figget Winds. Here, under a brush of wind, we lay down the remainder of that night and slumbered. The day called us about five. A beautiful morning it was, the high westerly wind still blowing strong, but the clouds all blown away to Europe. Alan was already sitting up and smiling to himself. It was my first sight of my friend since we were parted, and I looked upon him with enjoyment. He had still the same big greatcoat on his back, but what was new he had now a pair of knitted boot-hose drawn above the knee. Doubtless these were intended for disguise, but as the day promised to be warm, he made a most unseasonable figure. "'Well, Davy,' said he, "'this is no a bonny morning. Here's a day that looks the way that a day ought to. This is a great change of it from the belly of my haystack.' and while you were there soldering and sleeping i have done a thing that maybe i do very seldom and what was that said i oh just said my prayers said he and where are my gentry as ye call them i asked good kens says he and the short and the long of it is that we must take our chance of them up with your foot soles davy Fourth fortune once again of it, and a bonny walk we are like to have. So we went east by the beach of the sea, towards where the salt pans were smoking in by the esk mouth. No doubt there was a by ordinary bonny blink of morning sun on Arthur's seat and the green pentlands, and the pleasantness of the day that appeared to set Alan among nettles. I feel like a gomeral, says he to be leaving scotland on a day like this it sticks in my head i would maybe like it better to stay here and hang ay but ye wanna alan said i no but what france is a good place too he explained but it's some way no the same it's brar i believe but it's no scotland i like it fine when i'm there man yet i kind of weary for scots divots and the Scots peat reek. If that's all you have to complain of, Alan, it's no such great affair, said I. And it sets me ill to be complaining whatever, said he, and me but new out of your dell's haystack. 
and so you were uncle weary of your haystack i asked where's nay word for it said he i'm not just precisely a man that's easily cast down but i do better with collar air and the lift above my head i'm like that old black douglas wasn't it that like it better to hear the leverock sing than the mouse cheep and yon place see davy wilk was a very suitable place to hide in as i'm free to own was pit mirk from dawn to gloaming there were days or nights for how would i tell one from other that seemed to me as long as a long winter how did you know the hour to bide your tryst i asked the goodman brought me my meat and a drop brandy and a candle dope to eat it by about eleven said he so when i had swallowed a bit it would be time to be getting to the wood there i lay and worried for ye sore davy says he laying his hand on my shoulder and guessed when the two hours would be about by unless charlie stewart would come and tell me on his watch and then back to the dooms haystack nah it was a rich employ and praise the lord that i have wrestled through with it what did you do with yourself i asked faith said he the best i could whilst i played at the knuckle-bones i'm an extraordinary good hand at the knuckle-bones but it's a poor piece of business playing with nebody to admire ye and whiles i would make songs what were they about says i oh about the deer and the heather says he and about the ancient old chiefs that are all by with a lang syne and just about what songs are about in general and then whiles i would make believe i had a set of pipes and i was playing i played some grand springs and i thought i played them awfully bonny i vowed whiles that i could hear the squeal of them but the great affair is that it's done with with that he carried me again to my adventures which he heard all over again with more particularity and extraordinary approval swearing at intervals that i was a queer character of a gallant so ye were frenchened of sim fraser he asked me once in troth was i i cried so would i have been davy said he and that is indeed a dreadful man but it is only proper to give the dale his due and i can tell you he is a most respectable person in the field of war is he so brave i asked brave said he he's as brave as my steel sword the story of my duel set him beside himself to think of that he cried i showed ye the trick in corniganehi too and three times three times disarmed it's a disgrace upon my character that learned ye here stand up out with your iron ye should walk no step beyond this place upon the road till ye can do yourself and me mar credit alan said i this is midsummer madness here is no time for fencing lessons i can a well say no to that he admitted but three times man and you standing there like a straw-boggle and raining to fetch your ain stored like a doggy with a pocket-napkin 
David, this man Duncansby must be something altogether by extraordinaire. He mun be extraordinaire skilly. If I had the time, I would gang straight back and try a turn at him myself. The man must be a provost. Nah, he said, but three times. You silly fellow, said I. You forget it was just me. Nah, said he. But three times. When you ken yourself that I am fair incompetent, I cried. Well, I never heard tell the equal of it, said he. I promise you the one thing, Ellen, said I. The next time that we foregather, I'll be better learned. You shall not continue to bear the disgrace of a friend that cannot strike. I the next time, says he. And when will that be, I would like to can? Well, Alan, I have had some thoughts of that, too, said I. And my plan is this. It's my opinion to be called an advocate. That's but a weary trade, Davy, says Alan, and rather a blackguard one for me. Ye would be better in a king's coat than that. And no doubt that would be the way to have us met, cried I. But as you'll be in King Louis's coat, and I'll be in King Gordy's, we'll have a dainty meeting of it. There's some sense in that, he admitted. An advocate, then, it'll have to be, I continued. And I think it a more suitable trade for gentlemen that was three times disarmed. But the beauty of the thing is this that one of the best colleges for that kind of learning, and the one where my kinsman Pilrig made his studies, is the College of Leyden in Holland. Now, what say you, Alan? Could not a cadet of Royal Ecossais get a furlough, slip over the marshes, and call upon a Leyden student? Well, and I think he could, cried he. You see, I stand well in with my colonel, Count Drummond Melfort, and what's mare to the purpose, I have a cousin of mine, lieutenant colonel in a regiment of the Scots Dutch. Nothing could be mare proper than what I would get a leave to see lieutenant colonel Stuart of Halix, and Lord Melfort, who is a very scientific kind of a man, and writes books like Caesar, would be doubtless very pleased to have the advantage of my observes. Is Lord Mellert an author, then? I asked. For as much as Alan thought of soldiers, I thought more of the gentry that write books. The very same, Davy, said he. One would think a colonel would have something better to attend to. But what can I say that makes songs? Well, then, said I, it only remains you should give me an address to write you it in France, and as soon as I am got to Leyden, I will send you mine. The best will be to write me in care of my chieftain, said he, Charles Stuart of Ardshiel Esquire, in the town of Milon, in the Isle of France. It might take long, or it might take short, but it would I get to my hands at the last of it. We had a haddock for our breakfast in Musselborough, where it amused me vastly to hear Alan. His great coat and boot hose were extremely remarkable this warm morning, 
and perhaps some hint of an explanation had been wise but alan went into that matter like a business or i should rather say like a diversion he engaged the good wife of the house with some compliments upon the rizzering of our haddocks and the whole of the rest of our stay held her in talk about a cold he had taken on his stomach gravely relating all manner of symptoms and sufferings and hearing with a vast show of interest all the old wives remedies she could supply him with in return we left musselburgh before the first ninepenny coach was due from edinburgh for as alan said that there was a re-encounter we might very well avoid the wind although still high was very mild the sun shone strong and alan began to suffer in proportion from preston pans he had me aside to the field of glansmere where he exerted himself a great deal more than needful to describe the stages of the battle thence at his old round pace we travelled to cockensey though they were building herring buses there at mrs Cowdell's, it seemed a desert-like back-going town about half full of ruined houses but the alehouse was clean and alan who was now in a glowing heat must indulge himself with a bottle of ale and carry on to the new looky with the old story of the cold upon his stomach only now the symptoms were all different <laughs> i sat listening and it came to my mind that i had scarce ever heard him address three serious words to any woman but he was always drolling and fleering and making a private mock of them and yet brought to that business a remarkable degree of energy and interest something to this effect i remarked to him when the good wife as chanced was called away what do you want says he a man should i put his best foot forward with the womankind he should i give them a bit of a story to divert them the poor lambs it's what ye should learn to attend to david ye should get the principles it's like a trade now if this had been a young lassie or anyways bonnie she would never have heard tell of my stomach davy whence they're too old to be seeing joes they're uh, set up to be apothecaries why why do i ken they'll be just the way god made them i suppose but i think a man would be a gomerel that didna give his attention to the same and here the lucky came back he turned from me as if with impatience to renew their former conversation the lady had branched some while before from alan's stomach to the case of a good brother of her own in aberlady whose last sickness and demise she was describing at extraordinary length sometimes it was merely dull sometimes both dull and awful for she talked with unction the upshot was that i fell in a deep muse looking forth of the window on the road and scarcely marking what i saw presently had any been looking they might have seen me to start we've had a fomentation to his feet the good wife was saying and a headstone to his wain and we gid him hyssop and water of pennyroyal and fine clean balsam of sulphur for the host sir says i cutting very quietly in 
there's a friend of mine gone by the house is that in say replies alan as though it were a thing of small account and then you were saying ma'am says he and the weariful wife went on presently however he paid her with a half-crown piece and she must go forth after the change was it him with the red head asked alan ye have it said i what did i tell you in the wood he cried and yet it's strange he should be here too was he his lane his lee lane for what i could see said i did he gang by he asked straight by said i and looked neither to the right nor left and that's queerer yet said alan it sticks in my mind davy that we should be stirring but where to nailhead this is like old days fairly cries he there is one big differ though said i that now we have money in our pockets and another big differ mr balfour says he that now we have dogs on our tail they're on the scent they're in full cry david it's a bad business and be damned to it and he sat thinking hard with a look of his that i knew well i'm saying looky says he when the good wife returned have ye a back road out of this change house she told him there was and where it led to then sir says he to me i think it will be the shortest road for us and here's good-bye to ye my braw woman and i'll no forget thon of the cinnamon water we went out by the way of the woman's kale yard and up a lane among fields alan looked sharply to all sides and seeing we're in a little hollow place in the country out of view of men sat down now for a council of war davy said he but first of all a bit lesson to ye suppose that i had been like you what would yon old wife have minded of the pair of us just that we had gone out by the back gate and what does she mind now a fine catty friendly cracky man that suffered with the stomach poor body and was real tain up about the good brother o oh, man david try and learn to have some kind of intelligence i'll try alan said i and now for him of the red head says he was he gone fast or slow betwixt and between said i no kind of a hurry about the man he asked never a sign of it said i num said alan it looks queer we saw nothing of them this morning on the whims he passed us by and he doesn't seem to be looking and yet here he is on our road dod davy i begin to take a notion i think it's no you they're seeking i think it's me and i think they can find where they're gone they can i asked i think andy scoggles sold me him or his mate what can come part of the affair or else charlie's clerk callant which would be a pity too says alan and if you ask it me for just my inward private conviction 
I think there'll be heads cracked on Gilney Sands. Alan, I cried, if you're at all right, there'll be folk there and to spare. It'll be small service to crack heads. It would I be a satisfaction, though, says Alan. But bide a bit, bide a bit, I'm thinking. And thanks to this bonny westland wind, I believe I've still a chance of it. It's this way, Davy. I'm no trysted with men scogle till the gloaming comes. But, says he, if I can get a bit of wind out of the west, I'll be there long or that, he says, and lie too for ye behind the Isle of Fidra. Now, if your gentry kins the place, they kin the time forby. Do you see me coming, Davy? Thanks to Johnny Cope and other red-coat gomerals, I should kin this country like the back of my hand. And if you're ready for another bit run with Alan Breck, we'll can cast back inshore and come to the seaside again by Darleton. If the ship's there, we'll try and get on board of her. If she's no there, I'll just have to get back to my weary haystack. But either way of it, I think we'll leave your gentry whistling on their thumbs. I believe there's some chance in it, said I. Have on with ye, Alan. End of chapter 12